Hello and welcome to Ask the Ad number 14, the Advent Calendar. The busy Christmas period is on its way. One of my favourite times in the football world as the games come thick and fast in the Premier League and there are no boring international breaks to worry about. Then there is, of course, the fat man dressed in red to come down the chimney I don't actually have and hopefully bring some nice prezzies such as a sprinkling of winds. The kids still hang up a stocking these days. When I was a kid, I remember the excitement of going through it, even though it was usually mostly filled with a mandarin or two and a bag of nuts. Then there were the prezzies. Though I never understood why I had to wait to open my prezzies till Christmas Day when my ma never waited and always opened days early. When she was a kid, her parents used to hide the prezzies with the next-door neighbours and the eldest, my Uncle Billy, used to climb up the bedroom window and lean over to peek in the window see what prezzies their dog got, while the rest of the kids hung on to his ankles. The one thing he never got was a fish tank, because my granddad used to have a tropical fish tank that was his pride and joy until he had to go away for a few days and put Billy in charge of the tank, with strict instructions to clean it while he was away. When my granddad got back, all the fish were dead and floating in a tank that looked like the opening of a West Ham game, bubbles everywhere. Turned out he had cleaned the tank by squirting some washing up liquid in it. It wasn't even like he was stupid or anything. Well... Okay, he did once sit on a milk bottle on the front step which shattered and he needed to have his eyes stitched up. But it wasn't all stupid. I mean, he knew better than to let the others run right when my nan and granddad were out at the St John's ambulance of an evening and he was left in charge. He would get the washing line, tie them all up so they couldn't cause any trouble. Unless he got hungry when he would let one of them out and send them into the kitchen to make him a butty. I dread to think exactly what he ate on those butties though. There wasn't always cat or dog food in the house. They had to improvise and find the worst things they could think of to fill the sarnies with. God alone knows what they ended up with. Anyway, on to the questions and today we'll start with a Man United question from MBD who asks Good morning Ed1, who do you think are the best dribblers in football currently? As much as it pains me to admit, surely Neymar will make top five. Neymar certainly makes a lot of dribbles and it'd be madness to leave him out, much as I dislike him. Messi has to be in there too and you have to include Adama Traore even. The Wiz is not a tight twisty slalom between players kind of dribbler, it's pace and power but it works. Um, and on his day, Newcastle's Saint Maximin, Saint Maximan, or whatever you pronounce it, is pretty much the same. He can be unstoppable, though he's ridiculously inconsistent. And Edan Hazard as well. I also like watching Buffal. Lovely quick feet and tight control. I know there's people I'm forgetting, but off the top of my head, I think they're about the best ones. That I, well, the ones I like to watch, anyway. So, now on to the Liverpool site, and JD asks, do you think that Manny's fall against Leicester was a dive? Um, well, it was an exaggeration. He was fouled. I would like to see players book for that, even when the decision is given in their favour. I know they do it because otherwise refs do not give the free kick or penalty which they should have given, and that needs to change too. But there is no excuse with VAR available for them not to call it back for a foul the ref missed in the box. But we've seen clear penalties galore not given this season. I can think of two off the top of my head Liverpool should have had. One when Matip was all back blatantly in front of the ref, and the other a foul on Manny in the box. Then they wonder why players turn to exaggeration. All sides need to improve how they deal with this, if exaggeration is to be removed from the game. But to start with, they need to to punish them even when they give them the award of the, the uh, free kick or penalty they deserve. A nice change now, it's a Southampton question from St Dave. Hi Ed, I haven't been a Saints fan for some time. Why is R8 still giving Angus Gunn the roll within the sticks? He has no confidence and is totally poor for the number one shirt and 
and there's a better, more experienced goalkeeper on the bench. Having left the match today, I heard a rumour that Gunn was so distraught of how bad he was today that he threw himself in front of a double-decker bus and it went under him. Well, clearly he hasn't at all listened to you because he's dropped him since then. But he did have a lot of faith in him. He feels that Gunn has potential and he can build his confidence. He could have built his confidence back up by giving him a hundred percent backing. At least that's what he was trying. It didn't work. Uh, but like you know, what else could he do? He had to keep persisting with him because he didn't feel the other options were any good either. And that's where the problem is. He saw Gunn as having potential to develop into something special, whereas he doesn't rate the other options, really. And so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, to be honest, if you bought another more experienced goalkeeper in the summer. Now a question from King Carlos on the Liverpool site. Hi, Ed, one King Carlos again. Do you feel like chicken tonight? If you ever visit Australia, drop me a line and we can talk football, drink beers and eat chicken. If you let authorities know your travel arrangements, you'll be safe. Love your podcast, KC. So are you asking me on a date, Casey? Let me add this to my diary. I have a specific page. Countries I should never visit. Right, let me see. Number eight, Australia. Avoid due to stalker. Actually, see ours is already in the list a few times. At number one, because it has all the most poisonous animals in the world. Number three, because there is no point as it must be empty as all the Aussies are working behind bars in London. Number four, because those Aussies are just Americans in training. And again at number six, because it's just like a crap version of New Zealand. But I think that last one might have been added by my ex because she was a Kiwi. Don't worry, Casey, I've followed you under first and never for that date. Right, now on to a Man United question from Two Red Devil. Hello, Edwan. Who would be the ideal candidate to take over from Ole? How about Potch? Although he has a poor transfer record, he brings the best out of young players. Plays good football. Lack of squad quality is compensated with aggression and intensity. Your thoughts, please. Well, my first thought is, if Potts brings the best out of young players, why is Ali being crap for him other than in his first season? Why is there not one single player being brought through by Potts? Kane was already a regular when he took charge. The closest to coming through is Winks, and he has shown nothing to suggest he is any good. Potts is not someone I would want anywhere near my team. Ten Hag would be the one I'd take a punt on if it was me. He works with young players, plays good football and likes his team to be a team, not 11 individuals. It would be a punt because it is difficult to assess how well he would deal with the big egos and the recruitment side of things. But other than that, I think he's the best bet. If an outside choice, I would suggest Marcello Gallardo. He's worked wonders with River Plate and he would be the good outside bet for me. Top lad from the Chelsea site asks, Do you know what the plan for our midfield is come the end of the season? With Mount dropping into a three-man midfield, that makes our options Mount, RLC, Kante, Jorginho, Kovacic, Barkley, plus the likes of Ampadu, Gilmore, who can be added to that list in the long run. The reason why I ask is, I cannot see all of those six getting a desired playing time. I know outgoings are to be discussed later, I just didn't know whether there was something in place or likely to happen. As I understand it, the plan has stayed the same since the start of the season, which is to look at them over the course of the season and then decide. They were all to be given a chance to prove themselves and make up Lampard's mind for him. There is still a lot of time for them to step up and give Lampard food for thought, though it does seem they are mainly fighting over backup places now as Lampard looks to have settled on Kante, Jorginho and Kovacic as the first choice trio. It will be interesting now that they can, now that the... Transfer bans lifted, I see whether that changes things. Liverpool site poster Lamborghini i9i asks, 
I know you don't care much for international games, but who do you think would be the best manager for the England team? I feel we have a fairly talented bunch, but Southgate is garbage. Who would be the best manager for the national setup? Someone like Bielsa. I think Bielsa will be perfect. Or someone like Gallardo, Nagelsmann, Eric Ten Hag type would be perfect. The coaches rather than a yes man like Southgate. Someone who won't throw players under the bus but bring the team together as a unit. None of them will ever be considered though. The FA do not want people with their own mind, do they? That's why they never went for the likes of Clough. Slate 151 from the Manchester United site asks... Hi Ed, as a United fan, it's frustrating so much money has been spent on such a poor team. Could you maybe explain how United recruit new players? Is it a meeting of minds with scouts, the manager and whoever else is involved? And would the coach manager have a veto if he really didn't agree with a potential target? United signings have been poor for a long time now. The managers have changed but are others involved a constant and if so, at what point would their judgement come under scrutiny? The judgment's already come under scrutiny because they're re-examining the recruitment. But how it did work over the last few years was the recruitment department, the heads of the football department, which is the guy whose name completely escapes me and the manager, they would meet and discuss targets. The footballing department would put forward the positions and type of player they felt were needed and the recruitment department would then offer them options. I'm not sure whether this still happens with Ole, but under previous managers, particularly Jose Mourinho, the manager would also have his own suggestions of players to be looked at, such as Dallo and a few others. Um, then Matic obviously stands out. Then he would have a look at the stats, etc., the options, and come to a decision of which ones to go for. The problem is that they were constantly compromising. Some of the choices were unavailable, some of them no, no one could agree on. They didn't have one man to make the final decision, just lots of people able to veto them. That's the bit I expect to be sorted to appoint one man, a director of football, so to speak, who can overrule everyone else. By the way, I'm not a fan of what Edward Woodward does, but recruitment is not his area as such, though he does get involved with presenting players and he goes and, you know, he might seal the deals, but he's not choosing the players. It's nothing to do with him, that department. The question is though, is the recruitment that bad or have the managers not managed to make the most of the players they have been given? And a question from the Liverpool site, Jammo76 asks, Evening Ed, not sure whether this has been asked, if we leave the EU would the European players need a work permit or apply for settled status? Well, the simple answer is that no one knows yet. Until the final agreement is completed, signed and then implemented, no one has a clue what will happen. There might be special dispensations, there might not be. Anything being said right now is purely speculation. Right, now on to a question from Positive Celtic, who's unsurprisingly off the Celtic site, and he asks, What's your thoughts on Bayo, Ed? Well, to be honest, I haven't given him any thought until you asked about him. I know he's been struggling to establish himself, so I asked about him. He's very highly thought of by his country, but he's believed to be struggling to settle in Scotland. It happens, and it's now a case of figuring out if the club can help him settle, if they should just let him go. There is a problem at clubs like Celtic, and most others in the UK, to be honest, with a lack of help for players to settle in a new country. I think that is more of the issue than just Bayo himself. Right, now the final question is from Celery King from the Chelsea site who asks Any truth in the Giro to, Giro to Palace rumour? And if so, any truth in that we might get Neymar on loan from January onwards? Giro is one of a number of options Palace are exploring to score goals for them and he is almost certain to leave to, in January to somewhere. He's just not so keen on Palace. 
Um, Rian Brewster on loan is another more likely possibility for them. Um, as for Neymar, I'm, I'm sorry, I nearly died laughing just reading that. I'm sorry, that's just not happening. So not in the not a chance. Right, that's the end of another Ask the Ed podcast. Time to open another window on the advent calendar, only to find someone has already eaten the chocolate that should have been in there. Bye-bye.